Nonsense. Here we are, finally back to the airwaves to do the P2 Diabetes Chat regular podcast. So health professionals delivering grassroots information and resources support great quality diabetes care and education of people with diabetes across the health system. In other words, all of you. Hi, I'm Jane Lehman, Registered Nurse and Credential Diabetes Educator. And I'm Kiralee Chambers, Advanced Practicing Pharmacist and Credential Diabetes Educator. So the deadly duo are back. Hi, Jane. Hello, Kiralee. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and all our chatsters. It's been a while. It has been a while, and my goodness. Lots changed in that time. About seven months it's been, I think. Yes, it probably is. The last one we did was episode 20 of mm. Belly Button Gazing post-COVID-19. Post. That was optimistic. <laughs> Have the unfortunate virus floating around here and there? Yes, we were being far too optimistic with that one, and nor did we have any idea I would be out for the count for a little bit. So, do you want to just give our listeners, those that haven't heard, a little bit about what has happened? I had what was affectionately initially called the peanut hmm. that was found on an MRI in my brain that was watched for about nine years and did nothing mm-hmm. until the last three years. Mm-hmm. It decided to have a growth spurt like a naughty toddler it then needed to have a new direction in the way that it was going to be managed which was a trip to the neurosurgeon and the hospital to have a little nip and tuck mm. remove the tumour which is all fine and should be a complete cure so I'm sure many of you are thinking oh thank goodness for that well I am very happy that the peanut is no longer no the peanut did actually turn into a beauty spot my neurologist and I changed it to beauty spot because we thought it was much more positive mm. and attractive than peanut. Mind you, by the time the week came for it to come out, I was calling it the slug. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how you visualise these things. I do remember when I was doing my diabetes training, a role play that I used to use, and in it, the person was questioning, and what does my diabetic pancreas look like anyway? Is it grey, sludgy, when you push it, does something ooze out of it? And you do realise that there is so much in our body that we actually have no idea about. But when something goes wrong with it, we do all sorts of things to understand it. How interesting. I've never thought of a pancreas as having diabetes, so... Interesting. I've had a lot of people over the years ask me what a pancreas looks like. Oh, yes. No, it's just quietly sitting there doing nothing in your game. Actually, <laughs> my pancreas works quite fine because the islets of Langerhans don't work all that well. It produces lots of enzymes. Oh, look at you, five years ever. <laughs> Excellent. I think this will be a good podcast. So what are we going to talk about today in particular, James? We decided we would talk about who decides when a person needs to see a CDE. Yeah, and in the real world, it'd be great for the person with diabetes to make that decision, but that doesn't always happen, does it? No, and we all talk about person-centred care. Yep. Uh, The essence of person-centred care, surely, is for people to be able to make decisions about who they want to help them. Yep. I think one of the biggest challenges we have is that when someone is diagnosed, they don't know what a CDE does. No, they probably don't know what a lot of the allied healthcare professionals would be able to do to help them. Isn't it interesting is that we have medicine, nursing, allied health. Yep. The first two, and as everyone knows, I am a nurse, the first two are specific professions. Yes. 
Whereas Allied Health, it's like everyone else is jumbled in there together because it's simpler. Yes, and that I think very much reflected in someone's diagnosed with a chronic health condition, you get five visits throughout the year, but they all have to be spread through those Allied Health professionals. That's right, and I suspect it also is linked with the predominant view that there are a lot more nurses and doctors. Yep. So that's where the framing comes from. I personally don't like being in the allied health group. Do you think that there should be a separate group for each of the allied health? I think we should all just be health professionals. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, as health professionals in primary care, a person whatever condition they have will have a team of health professionals helping them at any one time should actually be the person who's the gatekeeper to who they see when they see them so realistically the person whether they're newly diagnosed or had diabetes for a long period of time should understand what each of those healthcare professionals do for them and if they don't that should be explained so that they can make the decision and they can have a conversation about who's going to best suit their needs because you can only assume that they will understand their own needs better. So at the moment, I think there's a lot of people who are making decisions about the use of the five appointments with the enhanced primary care arrangements in Medicare that people with diabetes depend upon to see other health professionals to help them with their diabetes. So for those in private practice, we depend on those referrals in order to offer a service. Yes. What has been really interesting lately is once again on the ADA Private Practice Special Interest Group Facebook page about the challenges of creating a model that is financially viable. Yes for credential diabetes educators. It's a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? You have to have enough people seeing you to provide a service that is there for when people need to see you. Yes, and it's really interesting. The example that I often give is either, for example, people with type 1 diabetes where they get maybe one or two visits. You can't teach people with type 1 really, realistically, much in one or two visits, or someone that's studying insulin, whether mm. they've got type 1 or type 2, with carbohydrate counting, very much with one or two visits either. Which means that there's essentially people quite often go to the uh, hospital for diagnosis and then they remain within the hospital services. That doesn't mean that we're matching people for the people who are going to work best with them. Yes, or if you look at what's happening in South Australia at the moment, it's very difficult for people, certainly for people with type 1, they can get in quite quickly, but someone that's got type 2 diabetes that's starting insulin, mm. they can't get into the hospital setting. So how does someone with type 2 that's on a low income that has used all their EPC visits, say, for example, I'm just going to pick an allied health podiatrist, how do then they learn how to use insulin? I had one person turn up and was told by their GP to Google it. Google how to oh, use insulin. I've had that too, where people have been told that, and what a recipe for making disastrous mistakes. Especially long-term health. I'm sure Google shows potentially drawing up the insulin. Now, probably a doctor could learn that from Google. Yes. But saying that to someone who's just been told they need insulin when they're scared and it's complicated even getting the NDSS part of it to be able to get your slides. Yes. It's a very fragmented system we have ended up with around diabetes care and I guess that's why we often come back to it in our conversations. Yes. So it's not that people haven't tried to fix some of this. 
To be fair, the whole conversation around people knowing what a CDE does has come up a lot and there's been a number of efforts. None of those efforts have been coordinated enough to create an attitudinal change in people that everybody should have a CDE. Yeah, and it comes down to the basic that at least they should be given the opportunity. If they don't want to see a CDE, that's absolutely fine. But I think that at the moment, we're not even seeing people being offered. No, and there's also a lot of confusion in GP land around who's best to help someone in learning about their diabetes. Yes. I quite often only get one referral on the EPCs now. Me too. It's really not viable. No, because by the time you invest finding out how long they've had diabetes, whether they've got a family history, etc., etc., give them some advice and then send them on their way. And that was the predominant view I'm seeing coming out of the private practice special interest group discussions is the viability of private practice. And maybe I shouldn't call it private practice. No, see, I think that terminology... I, I think it's been a disaster. I think we need to say community diabetes care. Yes. Because a lot of the public services are intermediate care. Yes. But what we haven't done is looked at our diabetes services as a whole service. Insofar as diabetes education pathways, the ones who are working like you and I do are not included in those conversations or pathways. Correct. It's almost like we're a non-entity. And, and people, when you call it private practice, think that it's not covered by Medicare. I would not be working if I hadn't been able to set up a private practice. Mm. or a business, in fact. So there's lots of reasons why people set up business and this is the best way to give people the biggest range of choice. We all have different personalities, we all have different skill sets and the way we do it is much an art as it is a science. When we're most successful is when we match people with the right person. Correct. And so it should be about the person with diabetes being able to have a choice mm. in their health care because that's where they're going to be most engaged. And we need to find a way to address what's being done by the nurses in primary care mm -hmm. versus what perhaps a CDE would be doing. Because mm -hmm. there's a role for all of us. Yeah, there's a role for everybody. But if we don't give people an informed choice, we're not offering person-centred care. I'm sick of hearing that word used wrongly. Yeah, because people think they're doing it when they're actually not. No. And in fact, you need to be very skilled and confident to do person-centred care because you need to be able to let go of the control mm. and give that to the person. Mm. Now, there's a lot of health professional individuals that find that difficult and threatening to do, partly mm. because it takes more time. Mm. Now, once you've got the person going, it doesn't. Correct. But it's like everything, investing more to get a bigger impact later is not something that's been well embraced in this country. It's interesting because I had a client the other day and I, I posted it on LinkedIn yeah. and asked the question. I had a referral, but I didn't get an ECC plan, enhanced primary care plan. So my question to the person with diabetes was, who made the decision as to which allied health, and I'll call them allied health because that's what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Allied health you should be referred to. And he said, oh, that was made by my doctor. Yeah. What I hear is that it's made by the doctor or the nurse usually. Yes. And I have a huge beef with those forms because our title is not even correct. Yes. We're credentialed diabetes educators, not diabetes no, no. educators. Yes. And so people are confused even with the terms that are used. Yes. 
that needs to be changed because you have to be a credentialed diabetes educator to provide that service. No one else has got their title written differently. Yes, yes, that's very true. Only us. Yes. And we're the only ones who can see people with only one condition. Yes. So creating a viable model to increase the capacity of our profession is difficult without having Medicare reimbursement. Yes. That's a very good point. You cannot build the capacity. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that I remember being told by previous CEO of ADA that the future was not private practice. Then how do people with diabetes continue to get the best person-centred care? How do you build your numbers? Mm. You simply can't. Mm. And... The reason you can't is because you have to be able to move people on from the state-based systems out into the community-based systems by a combination of funding. Now, I can tell you the funding is not going to increase within the state-based services because there is funding via the Commonwealth mm. with Medicare. So, sadly, I think there's also been a misunderstanding about the statistics. When you look at the Medicare statistics, if you don't understand what you're looking at, it's easy to misconstrue things. Mm. So I saw that ADA at the moment are also doing a workforce planning survey. I haven't actually done it yet, mm. have you? Yes, I have, yes. And were they asking much about private practice? Not a lot, yeah, a bit, but you know, it could have been expanded on significantly. It also depends what questions are asked within these various documents as to how much, I guess, our style of work is being truly represented and therefore the rights of people to have a choice mm. represented within the various structures. So the issue, again, stems with things like blood glucose monitoring and the misconception that people with diabetes, particularly type 2, obviously, mm. don't need to blood glucose monitor. Oh, I had this last week. Uh, someone contacted me with a letter from their doctor saying that the person was not to monitor anymore. Mm, how interesting. I've had a relationship with this client for quite some time and there was no HbA1c in there. There was no reason for that statement except mm. to say that that's what had been decided. And how did the person with the diabetes feel about well, they've that? Got an intellect, they've got a disability so they mm. can't make a decision. Mm. They're cared for by support workers which also means you've got a whole other set of circumstances. Mm. So I'm not sure, so can I then say that's their opinion. My opinion is that ongoing monitoring is going to be needed because the doctor said to do it when they're sick. How do you maintain ongoing quality assurance of the workers' use of the meter mm. if you don't keep them doing it a bit? But equally, this person is not verbal all the time. Yes. And how do you assert your knowledge in the one thing that you're most proficient in, which is diabetes, is you as the educator. And the doctor's going to override you each time. So what you don't want, but what does happen at times, is you get into this professional battle mm. where the interpretation of things like the RACGP guidelines around blood glucose monitoring are often misinterpreted and taken as quite black and white by a GP. 
piece mm. because that's how they were written initially and they not understand the other research either mm. that has been done because it wasn't included in it all. How do you work out those things? I've certainly had situations where I've provided a client with my opinion mm. and my input mm. and explained that it is different to what the doctor has suggested. But you know what? Nobody owns the patient in inverted commas mm. the person is their own person like with financial planning they can go to a range of people and make a decision about what they would like it's up to us to all give them enough information to know what we're basing things on so that they're learning each time they're more likely to follow through on the recommendations we make whoever it is i certainly give the rationale for everything i'm suggesting to people as do i because who am i to say you know i'm not Farouk sitting on my not that i have <laughs> not that i have a it's going to be a rather interesting mental picture there oh and you costume for the next conference dinner maybe I'm not the master of these things yes. because there's often a bit of give and take you know everybody's body is different as well one thing having a daughter with an intellectual disability taught me was that genetically we are all different yes it does remind me of a letter that I had not dissimilar from a GP who told me that I could educate the person with diabetes on diabetes but I was not to give any advice on medication <laughs> And you're a pharmacist. God bless them. And, well, even if I wasn't, Jane, is it not our... That is what we do. Are we not supposed to give all of the information about diabetes. Now what do we do with people with diabetes? We give them all the information about how to treat diabetes. How do we normally treat diabetes? And how long did that doctor spend with that person previously talking about medication? Oh look, if, if Medicare, the Medicare rebates are anything to go by, probably about 7.5 minutes. Exactly. Which is from, unless it was a long consult and then it's about 15. I know, but, and I'm sitting here shaking my head. As my Sarah might have said, I shook her head. I just thought, I and so the next Person and so the letter that came with was must not give any information about medication. I've and, had the same thing. And I, I said glucose monitoring to the person. I cannot do my job in all good consciousness unless I give you the information on the medication. So with all due respect to your GP, mm. I will continue to do my job as I see fit. Especially being a pharmacist, CDE. Yes. This is the information on medication. We usually suggest that we give medication at the start of diagnosis because mm. it prevents the long we all know this right it prevents mm. the long-term degradation of the islet cells and stops the progression of type 2 diabetes gave her all the rationale and I said you will have to make the decision with your GP and still gave her the information because I'm not going to not do that that's my job no and I think this is one of the problems with having a system that puts GP land in charge of being the gatekeeper of the five EPCs yes it's like we give people an allocation that we can afford as a nation, yes. thinking that one size fits all, which is not person-centred. Yes. And you and I have both been involved with the past trials where they tried to be more person-centred. And it worked magnificently. Mm. Uh, if, if for those that possibly could have been in the trial, it was called the CDMNet, which had a bucket of funding for people that had more intense management that was required because of complications. So mm. that person got an extra funding and the outcomes from that were amazing. 
Although a lot of the outcomes didn't get fully presented. No, they didn't. But they I disappeared. Was, well, the interesting thing is I was involved in the I trial. Was too. And I was actually of the intensification trial, so I actually got the information sent to me. So it was really quite interesting. So I know how the intensification yeah. process works. It's actually really interesting. And I could never understand why it all disappeared. I, and I went to the feedback sessions that they had. I think there was. I think it's reinvented as what's it called it, now? It's still called CDM. Um, because Something home. Yeah, no, no, no. It's still called CDM, and there are a couple of interestingly, there are a couple of surgeries involved in my area that are using it, but it it just didn't get off the ground. I think the investment from the government to invest into the internet structure mm. was it was reasonable. It wasn't too high, but it certainly would be better than the system that we've got in place now. Much better. Yeah, I think it's time we started treating people with more respect. I do too, because and I will continue to say the people who own diabetes is the people with diabetes yeah not not us there's so many power struggles not around all this us and not, not the profession. protection yeah it's not the profession that owns diabetes the and i own think diabetes. we're at the bottom of the pile sadly and yet um, we can do so much better. i know and when you see people say to you why wasn't i told about someone like you earlier mm. or you can is look at them and say, I, I'm sorry that no one told you. But given that there's this close alliance with Diabetes Australia and ADEA, really, there should have been a really comprehensive education campaign that made people want to have a CDE. Or even, again, it may not be that they definitely want a CDE, but it may be that they, it should be when that they're given their choice. Sorry, when they need it. It should be that they're always given a choice and certainly not all of their visit use. And the other thing I might add is that people are often not aware that when they've got private health insurance, they can use that private health insurance on every other allied healthcare professional except CDE. Exactly. So we're constrained at every turn in even giving people the opportunity to come and see us because there's not enough at the moment who are finding viable ways to do it. Like, to be honest, I love my NDIS work because mm. I can provide a service that is appropriate to the needs of those people. They get to be involved in the choice. Yes. It's really complex work, but I get paid much better. Yes, and it's... And respected. Yes, and it's showing people a different way, isn't it? And when I contact doctors quite often around those individuals, the attitude is quite different because they feel quite lost. Yes. And it's a challenge, and they're relieved to have somebody who can talk disability and diabetes. Yes, which is a very difficult sector to be involved in. Yes. But equally, some of the best work I've done, I yep. have to say. Yep. And look, some of this is system change. It's bigger than all of us. We have to start somewhere, though. We have to start And I somewhere. think we have to start with people with diabetes yep. because they're the ones who have to suffer whatever the outcomes are when things don't go right. They will drive the change, though. They will drive the change. But, and they should. Absolutely. You know, it's in their interest as well as everybody else's. It's, it's interesting because I will often say when I have something that I disagree with, with one of of my healthcare practitioners, will I respectfully disagree with that? Yeah. I'm very open <clears throat> at having a conversation with all of my practitioners and I don't have to agree with them. doesn't mean that we end up in an argument. No. I'm happy to. And all of my practitioners that are now involved in my care understand that there are going to be times that I'm not going to agree. It's only advice. I will disagree with them and that's well within my right to do so. I don't have to take the advice that they're giving me. You know the big 
advantage of that approach is that you also keep your practitioners on their toes mm -hmm. because they have to question first, are they delivering the right information to you in the right way? And have they given enough of a reason for you to follow that? Yes. That actually creates much better chance of you acting on the stuff and when you do act on it, you're going to do it well. Yes. Food for thought, huh? For our yes. first one back. I know. Nothing like, like hitting some of the harder... I think we've done it very delicately. I do agree. In fact, yes. this one is probably more serious than some of the others. Oh. But don't panic, chapsters. We're going to get the humour back because I think we all need it after 2020. Yes, 2020 is a difficult year for everyone. So I guess to summarise, one thing we did want to tell you too is that we have also renamed the P2 chat to P2 Diabetes chat, which Jane didn't tell me. She just kind of renamed it and then told me later. That's okay. That is possible that that <laughs> did happen like that. Um, it was because we didn't have the word diabetes in there. Oh, yeah. So if you were searching for something about diabetes, it wouldn't have come up. Yeah, well, that just makes logical sense a little bit. Uh, I probably thought I had told you. That's all right. I found out a lot of stuff that way. Not <laughs> not just with you, Jane. With lots of people. I'm a mushroom. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I just think we're both so busy. But anyway, it, it was done, um, and that's how it is, and it works successfully. Logical sense. Really. We thought you'd also like to know that we've had two thousand two hundred and seventy-six listens. Wow. Of our podcasts now. And we've done 20 episodes. 21 now. This will be 21. Yes. Okay. Mainly due to Jane. So, no, no. It's both of us. We we would both also, I think, like to thank everybody who has been in contact to check that we're okay. Yes. Thank you all. That has been very kind of everybody. And we are okay. And so nothing will stop us now. So if you'd like to email any questions or suggestions to jane at edhealth.com.au. So that's J-A-Y-N-E at edhealth.com.au. She always has to be different. You do. You do have to be different. <laughs> Stand out. <laughs> and you can search P2 Diabetes Chat on Wushka or on um, podcasts or Spotify or on any of your podcast apps and subscribe. That would be great. You, and please leave a review if you feel that you would like to because that's always very helpful. And please um, let us know what you want to hear. There's a couple of people that have already sent in some um, suggestions, so we'll get on to that as soon as we can. We love getting suggestions because we know they're what you want. So, And we're very contactable via the email address. I'm sure if you Google both of our names, <laughs> addresses would come up. Probably it's like, now, yeah. send it to Kiralee Chambers of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably get to you, Kiralee. Uh, I do have something very funny happen in one of the messages about P1 or P2. Uh, and we still don't know who's who. Uh, I think we should give it a very big secret forever. Yeah. But I did like the fact that they liked that little bit of banter around <laughs> P1 and P2. We're also going to be doing our usual social media stuff as well. Possibly a video, do you think? Yeah. We're mm. going to try and do a bit more video stuff. Mm. I think that'd be good. In order to get the message out there with different things. Yep. So, for now, it's goodbye from me, Jane Lehman. And goodbye from me, Shirley Chambers. Stay safe and chat, chat soon. soon.